0: If you've been struggling, that can feel so hard, but also that's so much to celebrate because to struggle means to have a hard time and keep going. And a lot of times the difference between getting what you want and not getting what you want is the ability to keep going.
1: Welcome to the Wild Visionary Podcast, where I encourage everybody to tap into that untamed wild part of ourselves, where we can create just like we did in childhood and build and believe in something that maybe nobody else can see right now, but we can step into the identity of being a visionary, a future-focused leader, creator, and entrepreneur. I'm Audra Bartlett, a multi-passionate, multi-business entrepreneur. I'm a mom to a Pisces kid and a pit bull mix dog. And I'm here to shake things up, to talk about all things, expanding your mind, finding resources that are right in front of you and teach you how to be a Jedi of problem solving just like I am. So welcome, Wild Visionary, where we will bridge the gap between I can't see it for me and becoming and embodying Everything about being a Wild Visionary. Welcome back, Wild Visionaries. Today I have Corey Lynn. She is a life and career coach, and she's gone from being an unfulfilled freelancer bartender to working in corporate tech to running her own profitable multiple six-figure business. So welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Audra.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things you also say here is that you went through a string of unhappy year long-ish relationships to a deeply satisfying one. And we're also gonna be talking about that today, which is a little bit of a um, different note than some of the, the other guests, but I think it's really important in the overarching themes that we're gonna be talking about. So I have you kind of positioned between the wellness series that I've been running, which we talk a lot about taking care of your body, your hormones, your health, Um, and how it ties into mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But what we haven't fully talked about is how to really set ourselves up for success with the habits. How do we create good habits, systems around the habits? How do we make sure that we're going and taking care of our bodies, which... I always say to everybody, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So everybody knows anybody who listens knows that once we start doing that, our business shifts as well. So I'm going to kind of open up the floor to you and how you got to this work and any stories you want to share in terms of what brought you to being a coach.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for the lovely introduction and yeah, I'll just jump right in. So I, like you said, I've done all kinds of work from being an unfulfilled bartender, working in corporate tech. I actually taught English in France, which I don't think is even on that list. Mm-mm. And the way that I got from that person and who she was then to who I am now, and the way I continue to carry myself forward towards who I'm becoming, um, is tiny bit by tiny bit. And I think when we talk about and think about habits, that's something that is so essential to me and how I've managed to build the habits I have. And it's also something I work with my clients on. A lot of times people want to make these big, bold swings and big, bold changes in their life and kind of go from this to that in a really big step. And I love the energy of that, but what I've found again and again is making a habit that can actually stick and be sustainable over time. It's often much easier to do it in these little teeny incremental steps. And so one of the things I am really passionate about is the idea that change is cumulative. So for instance, um, going from making money bartending to making money freelancing was also tiny shifts. It was meeting people. It was making pitches. It was like getting a contract here and there while still bartending. And then going from, you know, bartending slash freelancing to like having a day job was also like all these little incremental shifts that allowed me, there was like a big moment when I went from doing one to doing the other, but it was built from all these little teeny pieces. Um, And that's how I built my business. Also, like there was one day when I gave notice that my, very fancy, very cushy corporate nine to five job, which was really more like a seven to three, which was kind mm-hmm. of brutal, uh, because mm-hmm. we had our VP was in, um, Europe. I lived in Seattle at the time. So if you think a nine to five is bad, just right, a seven, to, seven three to three friends, <laughs> <laughs> although being off at three was of course, lovely. Um, anyways, there, there are like the moments when the big change happens, but the things that allow that and carry that forward are these like tiny incremental things. And I think that's actually the best way to change habits too. Like a few years ago, I wanted to shift my drinking habits. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, first it was like measuring how much I was drinking. And then it was like shifting that amount down a bit by bit. And I've coached people on um, changing drinking habits before. And it's so funny because like universally people hate this approach. They hate mm-hmm. the incremental change. It doesn't feel like they're doing enough. It feels like they're never going to get anywhere. People have a lot of judgment too. Like, I shouldn't have to make tiny changes. Um, I should just be able to go cold turkey or whatever. But like the human body is an ecosystem. Um, and when you make a big change in an ecosystem, like there's usually big repercussions, whereas these little teeny changes, and then you get used to it and you get used to it, and then you can change it again. I just think it's more fun. And more enjoyable and also a more sustainable way to make change. And if you actually want to go from being an unfulfilled freelancer bartender to working in corporate tech to having a successful business, uh, knowing how to like, create that cumulative effort and move those habits one degree by one degree, I think it's everything. And it's in relationships too, like, I didn't go from having a bunch of relationships that ended about a year in to being a person who I've now been in relationship with my current partner for six and a half years. That wasn't a one and done either. Like I got into this relationship and then it was like bumping into things that could have ended it and then deciding to stay and deciding mm. to find ways to work through that. And like, honestly, becoming a more mature, loving, kind, you know, person, a person with a higher tolerance for conflict, but also a person who is more oriented towards connection and Mm -hmm. doing that over and over again and moving incrementally forward. And it hasn't always been an easy path in my current relationship. I talk about this on my own podcast too, um, and my socials and stuff like there, there were a few years in the middle of this relationship that were really hard. And I didn't, I didn't know if we were going to make it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes frankly, I didn't even know if I wanted to make it. I was just like rereading an old journal this morning that was like from like a few years ago about like, do I want to be a partner person? person? Mm-hmm. Why or why not? What kind of partnership am I interested in having? Like how, how can I help my relationship become that kind of relationship? Um, And it was really fascinating, right? Remembering like, oh yeah, I built this. Mm -hmm. well, we built this, right. It wasn't just me. It was me. (laughs) It was my girlfriend. It was coaches. It was therapists. We still see a couple's therapists like a few times a year, just for like a tune up. Um, it was me changing my idea about what it meant to be in a successful relationship. But I think sometimes when it's working, you kind of forget how hard you worked to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, you can kind of like lose sight of that.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, there's there's so many good things you just said here. And I just want to, to the last thing you just said about how um, people forget, you know, like you said, the fact that it took a while to get to that place, but in it, you had some self-reflection. There were the moments where you were like, do I want to be a partner person? What mm-hmm. does that look like? How do I want that to, 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 be expressed in my life. And the same thing with people's business. Like, do Mm. I actually want to be an entrepreneur? Like I am, I am the first person to say I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. Like I've seen a lot and I'm the first person to say, it's not for everybody. It is not for everybody it really, really is. And there's, I've had ups and downs and and moments where I've had to both ask myself, do I want to be partnered? Am I a person Mm. who wants to be in a relationship? Do I want to be in a business partnership anymore? Do I want to Mm. be an entrepreneur anymore? Right? We all have the opportunity when things are not going the way we want to, or even when things are going well, like is this really what I want to be continuing with and having that point of self-reflection, I think is so important. Right. Mm-hmm. And it allows us I agree. to then, yeah, it allows us to make the decision at that point. And the other thing you said that I think was really interesting was the, about the, we should be able to go from here to here. Mm. The shoulding, and as coach to coach and anybody who's listening, shoulding is like a big red flag. We're like, woo, Hello don't shoot on yourself, but the, Mm -hmm. the idea that we think we should be able to become a person who doesn't work out at all to becoming someone who's in the gym every day, or someone who doesn't have a business to six figure earner. And I think in media, in a lot Mm -hmm. of places, you get these little short, real videos of how this transformation just It was like magic; it just happened.
0: Montage, right?
1: That montage. We want the montage. We're like boom, 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 and in the middle of it, you're like, man, this is a lot more work than I thought it should be. So, what have you seen in terms of like what? Why do people think that they should not just the social media piece, and why is the incremental habits so? Important in terms of how it works with our brain.
0: Mm, okay. So I think should is interesting because should is like a sense of obligation or a sense of like what the world ought to be like. And I think where we get these ideas is generally socialization and socialization comes from all kinds of places, right? It comes from how you were parented by your actual caregivers. It comes from like what your school teachers said to you. Um, But it also came from like your peers and like speaking of montages, what you saw in books and TV and movies Mm -hmm. and whatever is normalized to the brain, then I think the brain is like, this is the way it is. This is the way it should be. Right. And I'm doing quotation marks there with my fingers. Mm -hmm. Um, because often like the way we think it should be is not actually the way it is, or like, this is what I should be able to do. And I think especially like when we see other people, whether it's in our real lives or on social media or You know, when we see imaginary other people, books and TV characters, et cetera, we observe things about them. And we, I think our brains get confused that that's like the whole picture, right? Like what you see on someone's Instagram feed and what their actual real lived experiences, those are not the same, right? But we often are seeing narratives that are highly crafted. So if you see someone else's highly crafted narrative, you might think like, I should be able to have the same thing. But when they're crafting that narrative, they might be leaving out some parts that you might be experiencing or they might have like different resources than you or th- they might have like a different um, background or different socialization. Like if someone else is able to like go from drinking every day to like only drinking once in a while, some people may be able to do that or that may just be this the after like narrative that they're giving you about the change that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think, Honestly, a lot of times we're missing out on like hearing about the grueling effort it takes, it can take to even make small changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then there was another question about like the brain and habits, but I can't quite remember what you asked.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll re-ask that in one second after I just comment on the after narrative part, because we very easily can forget the hard thing we just went through. Like you were just talking about in the relationship, like when it's going good and you've gone through those couple of really hard years, it's really easy to, you you may with all the best intention be showing up in your social circles in ways being like, oh, look at how amazing our relationship is. And the after narrative can very much come across with a lot more ease than it actually took to get there because we also don't want to keep reliving how hard it was sometimes to get there.
0: And we just don't always share it, right? Like, I mean, I share a lot of it because I'm a life mm-hmm. coach on the internet, yes, right? And so maybe you do too. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people, when it comes to like what what's polite conversation, a lot of people aren't sharing like that side of things. Like it's been really hard or it was really hard and here's how we got through it. Like people don't always give you that behind the scenes and your brain, whatever it observes a lot of, it tends to be what it thinks is normal. So if you're not getting anyone else's behind the scenes and you're only getting those after narratives, then your brain might normalize like, Oh, that it's kind of like when all you see on social media is Photoshopped, highly edited images Mm -hmm. of like a woman's face and body, then your brain's like, I'm supposed to look like that. No one looks like that. The model doesn't look like that. Like that's not what humans go to looks the
1: beach. Like. You'll you'll be reminded. Like just go to the beach. Right.
0: <laughs> but there's not always the beach version of like these other things, right? Mm-hmm. There's not always the beach version of like here's what it looks like for someone to actually shift their drinking habits, or here's what it looks like for someone to actually shift their exercise habits, or here's what it, here's what it actually looks like to build a business, right? Like I talk a lot in my own work around like the first 18 to 24 months of business building were incredibly difficult for me. I cried a lot. I like just like, I'm always like, and then I laid on the floor and cried. And like, I can say it in an off the cuff way now, Mm -hmm. but I also think it's really important for people to know, like that shit was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were a lot of times when I was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it. Um, and it doesn't mean that. That has to be everyone's experience or even that it will be like, I don't, I don't want to like set people also up to like have a much worse time because they're like, this has to feel terrible. Uh, But just like things can be really hard and we can also still do them Mm
1: -hmm. often,
0: but I think it's so much easier to do hard things when we're willing to allow the experience to be what it is. Like if it's really hard for you to shift your drinking and you're doing that, what if we honor the beauty and power of you doing that hard work versus you know, belittling yourself because it's difficult for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, this made me think of how important it is to a, have these conversations and b why, why not open up the conversation to the celebration of the hard, the celebrations Mm. are always in the goal, like the result Right. Oh, I did it. And everybody's so proud. And we just like that that's where all the, the celebration and the the accolades lie. But I really think it's in the person in the middle of that arena doing that work in that hard moment, laying on the floor when they don't know if their business is going to make it. And like I'm getting like teary-eyed because there's so many moments I can think of like that where it's just like blood, sweat, and tears. You're like, You're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like you literally Mm -hmm. don't know if you can. And I think in those moments, in those wins, like that's like, that's the gold right there where you pulled yourself up off that floor and you put yourself back in the chair and you said, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going because I believe in what I'm doing and I know I can make it, right? And- Well, credit where credit's due. um, I feel like it's really important for me to also
0: note that it wasn't like my- it wasn't me often peeling myself up off the floor. Like, did I do a lot of work? Sure. Of course. But like, I'm a big believer in community power. Right. Mm -hmm. And like being supporting and being supported. So it was like having a significant other who believed I could do it. Mm -hmm. It was hiring coaches and working with them and then being like, actually you're doing better than Mm -hmm. you think you are. It was like, I did have some clients I'd worked with and hearing from them about like the difference it was making in their day-to-day life. Um, it was like all of these things. So Mm what, like, I want to be very clear that I didn't like, I did not pull myself up by my bootstraps by any measure of any imagination. And I had so much going for me and Mm -hmm. it was still really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had to grow so much. Like I had to become, um, a much more courageous Mm -hmm. version of myself in order to even just put myself out there in the way that is necessary. Um, often to build a business.
1: Yeah. And that kind of brings me back. And I, and I love that you just did that because it is true. And I think that's another um, piece of misinformation that I hope conversations that I have and others have start to dispel that nobody does it alone. Nobody yeah. does it alone. Even if they pretend that they did it alone, they didn't do it alone. There were other people there helping them along the way, whether in their corner as a partner, as a friend, as a mentor, like people have people and that's how we build things. I have had people along the way too. So I'm glad that you yeah. stopped to acknowledge that for this, this moment um, because the last thing is I want anybody walking away thinking like, I just need to do it alone and pull myself up by my bootstraps. Nope, mm-hmm. we, need, we, need the, we need the community um but you know circling to the piece of the habits when it comes to this habit formation and this continuing day in and day out and allowing i think for the celebration in each little small win
0: Oh, I am so obsessed with this. So like, I'm Mm -hmm. always telling all of my clients, I'm like, first of all, I start every call with a celebration, win, delight, or acknowledgement, right? Like, and it's not like always, like if you hit, if you have a big goal and you hit it, like, that's amazing. I'm going to celebrate with you. But one of the things I like to really work with my clients on is like getting them to celebrate the process, right? Get like, it's like every time I post on social media, celebrating that. Um, because even if like every time you post doesn't lead to a client or doesn't lead to like an outcome that you want, you're doing the process, you're putting yourself out there. Right. So like if, if I had a client who was trying to work on the drinking and the way I talked about before, it might be like, if you actually measured the alcohol you drank, like that's the beginning. And we celebrate that we celebrate measuring it, especially because like, again, it seems like such a small thing to do that people are like, Oh, but like when it comes to habits, I actually have this um framework i call too small to fail and that's like i'm like if you want to change a habit change it in such a either like change it in such a small way that it's like sillier it would be like easier just to do the thing like when i wanted to have a daily yoga habit i started with like 5 minutes a day and some days it was even just like one yoga pose mm-hmm. right or like i do i don't do yoga anymore but i do like pt exercises now mm-hmm. and so when i was like building up that habit at first i was like i'm going to do 30 minutes a day and i tried that one day and i was like I fucking hate this. I will not be doing this. <laughs> and so then after that, it was like, I'm going to do like one thing a day or then it's like two things and then it's like three things. And like, then you get like momentum and you get this like confidence because you're like, oh, I did something. Maybe mm-hmm. I can do something else. Right. And like, especially for things that feel good, like PT exercises, I don't like enjoy them, but like I do a few and my body's like, yeah, I feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'm like, and I get <laughs> like involved and carried away also I work with somebody. So like I send her little videos of my stuff and then she sends me praise and I'm like, I'm getting celebrated by someone else. And like, it kind of creates this, like, um, I call it a delicious cycle. You know, there's like vicious cycle and other people call it. Um, I don't know what the normal one is, People usually call it like a positive cycle, but I call it delicious because like that's one of my big words. And it sounds I'm just much like,
1: better than just positive, right? <laughs>
0: well, I think a lot of people say like um, virtuous. That's what they say, virtuous cycle, mm. and I don't like that because I don't like the connection to like this is good and this is moral, bad, moral
1: morality, like, right?
0: I'm like, let's mm-hmm. not moralize it. Like this is delicious because it's what I want more of. Mm-hmm. This is vicious because like I'm hurting myself without actually meaning to, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to habits, I also just think about like, what do I want to be available for my future self? Like like when I'm thinking about what habits I want to design, it's just like, well, what kind of life do I want to live? And then what habits need to be in place to allow that and to actually make it easier for me? Because I think habits make it easier. It's hard to get habits in place, but once the habits are in place, they kind of carry you, right? Because the human brain loves habits. Because then it well, doesn't have autopilot. to use as much energy. Yeah, it loves autopilot, right? So set yourself up with these delicious, supportive habits. And then it's like actually not that hard most of the time. Well, because right? it
1: wants it wants the autopilot, but most of us are, are on an unconscious autopilot. Right, we are and an just, autopilot
0: that makes us feel bad yes, overall. And,
1: and a vicious autopilot, like one that's like making it hard for us to really enjoy our lives. And so yeah. that's in the, how can I intentionally day by day, moment by moment, small thing by small thing. You know, I put my yoga mat out today. Maybe I didn't even do mm-hmm. five minutes, but I'm putting my yoga mat out in the middle of my room and putting it back for, for five days in a row. Okay, I started. Right, I'm doing that's five too minutes small to, to fail. Yeah, I you're like, that. this is dumb that I'm not even doing this. So now you got it done. Now you're rolling it out. Now you're five minutes, right? And it's and this is why when we go all or nothing. And I have been, I, I will 100% admit that I have for many years, been an all or nothing girl, Mm. you know, go going in and I'm going to go, I'm going to do all this. Right. And there's sometimes I've done it right. I've done all or nothing. And then you end up completely burnt out from your all or nothing. I
0: think the thing about all or nothing is it's just a skill. But it's not usually the right skill. Not that right or wrong is like a big thing, but like, it's not usually the most useful skill Mm -hmm. if what you want is a new habit, because Mm -hmm. all or nothing is like this, it's go big. And then it's like, be, be, be exhausted. Right. So like, if we're in a situation where it's a crisis, Mm -hmm. the ability to go all or nothing and to go all in and just be completely focused that's a great skill to have. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, I want to do, you know, yoga every day, or if it's like, I want to take a walk or if it's like, I want to learn French, then the all or nothing is less useful because it's not, it's like not the right size solution for those tasks. Mm. It's a great solution. If you're like, I need to do like for projects still, sometimes I'll be like, oh yeah, well, I'll just sit down and bang this out because I can work in that way too. And working in that way is not wrong or bad. It's just like, what is that a good match for? Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm doing a one-off project, right. If I just like, oh, I just want to clean my closet out. That's, you know, put on some right. music, get it done. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you could do it the other way where every day you, you know, you pick two pieces and you try them on and you decide to keep them or not. Like they're, for cleaning your closet, out, I could see either one, but if you want a daily habit, the all or nothing's just, it just usually can't do that work for you. So I think that's understanding of like, oh, I have all these different approaches, which one Mm -hmm. actually is going to be able to solve this problem effectively.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love the, it's like a, it's like a mindset shift around it. And, And that's one of the things I've over years recognized and I see in clients, it's that, we have, it's like you have these, like you said, approaches, we have these options and how we're going to intentionally engage in one or the other, like, great, use the all or nothing for this, this, and this use the small habit formation for these other things, because that's actually the way to be successful is to small wins on this one, all or nothing on that one. And that is what they all are. It's Coming from the unconscious programming or pattern of thinking that everything needs to be that way and recognizing it it can just be a point of power that we're choosing to interact with or not.
0: Right. And if you're a person who only has ever done things all or nothing, which is like my history, like I was like a straight Mm -hmm. A student, but I was a straight A student in a very like, I'm going to do nothing. And then the day before it's due, I'm going to do the whole thing and you know, it was not a super enjoyable way of doing things, but Mm -hmm. I had been successful with that strategy. So like, if that's been your strategy, your whole life, you may need to, like, if you want this other strategy doesn't mean you can't have it, even if you've never done things that way, but it might mean you need to learn it. Right. So you might actually be less good at it for a while, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean actually that it can't be like the most powerful thing you do. It's like, I've spoken English my whole life. It's a great language. I love it. Super useful. It's gotten a lot of things Mm -hmm. for me, but if I wanted to move to Portugal, I could learn Portuguese. Yeah, it might be it might be harder for me to speak in Portuguese for a while. But if I went through the effort of learning Portuguese and then I moved to Portugal, I'd probably be really good at it. And in a few years, I'd probably be able to do it very fluently, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Like if you're an all or nothing person, that's okay. That's a skill you have. It's like a mm-hmm. language. But if you want to learn these other languages, just because the effort you have to put in now feels like clunky doesn't mean it couldn't you couldn't be really good at it
1: mm-hmm. in
0: in not that much time and especially like this habit you know this like too small to fail thing because it's like actually so easy mm-hmm. if you can just give yourself permission to use that approach
1: yeah so talk me through you if we have someone listening right now that's like okay <clears throat> excuse me there's something I heard in this series or there's one thing I've been really wanting to change. And so we'll just, we'll use an example. You can pick an example of doing one thing in in wellness that you can, what would, you know, this week I'm doing this, this week I'm doing this, like, tell me how you would build. And I know it can be um, customizable to the person, but tell me how you would build that small wins in the habits to form the habit.
0: I personally love sleep. I'm obsessed with sleep. Sleep is so important to me. I see so many people like getting what I think is probably less sleep than their bodies want, but it's also an area where so many people struggle because people have like, they're like, oh, I don't want to go to bed because you know, it's like that procrastination, revenge, bedtime thing where they're like, this mm-hmm. is the only time I have for myself. Yes. Or it's just like, I was scrolling on TikTok till one thirty, or, you know, I, you know, it could be all kinds of things. Right. So for that, it would be like, step one could just be like observing for a week. What time am I going to bed? What time am I falling asleep? Right. And what time am I waking up? And then phase two could be like, okay. So this is a lot like the drinking, right? We start by seeing where we're at. And then we begin to make these like little incremental changes. Right. Like, so it could be like, If you're like, I I struggled with this actually back when I worked in corporate tech at Expedia um, because again, we were, we were starting our workday at like seven. And so that meant like, I needed to go to bed to get eight hours of sleep. I needed to go to bed pretty early to be able Mm -hmm. to be like working at seven. Um, So it might be like, oh, I'm going to bed at 1030, but then I'm waking up at five. And that's actually only hang on, let me math six and a half hours of sleep, which for some people might feel perfectly suitable. I'm going to be really honest. I like to sleep for eight to 10 hours a night, so it's not suitable for me. Um, although there've been many times in my life when I've underslept, but I, I almost always face consequences for that. So if you're that person, right, where you're, you're like getting up at five for some kind of extra reason, um, you're going to bed at 10 30 and you're getting six and a half hours of sleep at night. But like, you're like, oh, I really think my body would feel better at seven and a half. Right. Then at first we're just observing. We're like, okay. And then we're like, okay, maybe like, what if tonight I could go to bed five minutes earlier mm-hmm. and then you, and then you do it and then you celebrate it. And let's say you think that's your goal for the whole week. Every day this week, my goal is actually to go to bed at 10:25 instead of 10 30. Now for so many of you, to acknowledge that you made a choice and made a change and did it's going to feel really silly. Cause you're going to be like, it's five minutes, Corey, like it's not really worth celebrating. It's not worth celebrating. And my point is hundred percent, the opposite, which is if you want to have a life that feels good, that you're proud of, the more you can get in the habit of celebrating, even celebrating really small things. And if celebrating feels like too much, even just acknowledging like, Oh, I said I was going to do this and I did. that's, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, then what you do is you build like this associative connection between doing what you said you would do and feeling good. And the more you build that associative connection, which in science is actually called a pleasure gloss, which I think Mm. is such a fun term and something that can be used to great effect in coaching. Um, the more you build that pleasure gloss and show yourself that you can make changes and like, be gentle with yourself. If you do this and then like one day you get about 1035, like that doesn't mean everything's fucked and ruined. We just, Try again the next day, right? Because it's not about being perfect. It's about making consistent cumulative effort. And consistent, like you can be consistently inconsistent. Like it doesn't have to, again, you don't have to be perfect, right? So like let's say you go to bed for a week at 1025. Your body kind of gets used to that. Okay, maybe 1020 the next week. Now, a lot of people really struggle with this because it doesn't feel like a big enough change. Mm -hmm. But that's actually exactly why it can work, is Mm because it's not that big of a change. And like, there may be other things too. Like I've actually looked into the sleep thing a lot. So there's like all kinds of things you can do for sleep, like from getting morning sunlight um, to like, you know, keeping devices out of your room and like not reading interesting stuff or scrolling in bed. That's all stuff that's available. So it's not at all that I'm saying like, don't read articles or don't do other things. It's more that I'm saying keep it simple, sweetie. Right. you like, mm-hmm. you know, that phrase kiss, but yep. like when I was growing up, they, they called it, keep it simple, stupid, but I don't like that. Cause I'm not about belittling ourselves or each oh, other. Actually, not. So I'm more like, keep it simple, sweetie, like just five minutes a day. But like, if you're like, Oh, I I've been moving the bedtime up by five minutes a day, but like, I'm not actually able to fall asleep. Then we may look into some like of the other elements too. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really personalized to you, but the basic idea is we just make these tiny little bitty changes we acknowledge and celebrate them. And then when we get used to that tiny little bitty change, then we make another one. Like it's like, basically it's titrating. If you know what titrating is like sometimes when people get on or get off of medication, they have to start at a low dose and then like scale up to the medicinal dose. And then if they want to get off of it, they actually have to scale down. They can't just cold Turkey. it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that this exists. Cause I think for so many people, especially people with like western culture socialization they think they should just be able to start and stop things but when the medical community is like actually no you can't do that it's dangerous Mm -hmm. right which it is for certain kinds of medication I think that's like such a good indicator of like actually what if you're not supposed to be able to do that stop expecting yourself to do that and when you give yourself permission to make incremental changes like you'll probably be much more successful that's been my experience. Now, again, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. Like if you're out there making huge changes and it's working for you and it feels joyful and sustainable, go off. But for me, that's not, I don't have those skills, right? That's not, that's not been possible. And I've read a lot of books about habit formation and a lot of the books um, indicate that making small incremental changes is much more likely to be successful in the long run.
1: Well, and that brings me to the question that I kind of asked earlier, which is what is the the brain doing in terms of that? Like what have you read about the science of what happens with the brain with the small wins, with the small incremental changes, what is happening and why does it, for most people, right? Like you said, you're not, if you can do it, amazing. But for most people, It's, it's hard to go from one zero to 60.
0: So my understanding of the brain is that the brain likes homeostasis and it likes for things to stay the same. And what I think is important to remember is the brain did not evolve to keep you happy. The brain evolved to keep you alive, right? So that's like such a good distinction. That's why your brain will actually encourage you to do things that you're like, wait a minute, that's not going to help me live like my most delightful, satisfying life. Uh, that's, but, it, but, but your brain's like, but you'll stay alive. So let's do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that piece. And then it's like that homeostasis piece. So if you're, if you want to make a change, making a change in a small enough way that then your brain doesn't feel threatened and can kind of get used to it. Um, right. Cause like what you don't want to trigger is your brain being like, Oh my God, we're being starved now. Mm
1: -hmm. Right.
0: Or like, Oh my God, we're in danger. Like you don't want to trigger the brain into thinking like, something scary is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and the brain has, so there's this thing called hedonic adaptation, which is basically like the more good stuff you have, your brain will just get used to it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like stuff that sounds like really like luxurious to you right now, if you had all of it in your life, your brain would just get used to it and think it was normal, but we can actually use that both directions. Right. So if your brain just thinks it's normal to like drink, half a bottle of wine a night, then your brain's like, this is normal. But like, if we incrementally, first we measure and then we incrementally change how much you're drinking, your brain can continue to think this is normal, even as the amount of alcohol like goes down, if that's what you want. And this is not a judgment about alcohol at all. Like I am a drinking person, but some people do want to drink less or like maybe you want to do more exercise, right? So then we can also like adapt to like this amount of exercise is normal because we're like slowly shifting it and the brain's like oh yeah this seems like what i did before but like maybe a little bit different like it's safe enough right mm-hmm. it's like close enough that your brain's like this seems fine and then the other piece is like what i talked about before the pleasure gloss right so i actually learned about the pleasure gloss because of um like runners who get runners highs when they look at their running shoes they're not even running but when they like look at their running shoes they can get like a little version of the high, right? So it's like their Hmm. brain knows when I run, I get a runner's high. So when I even look at the shoes, that associative connection of associating the shoes with the running and associating the running with the high, it's so strong. It can make them feel good about this, like kind of third party part. So you can use that too, right? Like You can create a positive associative connection through self-praise and through self-acknowledgement and self-celebration where you're like, I put the yoga mat out and that's what I said I do. And I did it. So I'm doing a good job. If you like actually allow yourself to feel that validation and praise that I'm doing a good job, then we begin to have a positive association with the yoga mat. If you go on to actually do yoga, you're probably going to get some positive chemicals cascading in your body, and then you're going to get additional pleasure gloss. Right. And so when we can set ourselves up to feel good, like to set up that pleasure gloss with the things we want to do more of, it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, Mm -hmm. but here's what I see that I want people to be careful of. What I often see is people do something and then they criticize themselves about how it wasn't enough. And then they create the opposite of a pleasure gloss, right? They're like, oh, posting on social media about my business makes me feel bad. Well, does it make you feel bad because you told yourself your post Mm. was shitty? Did it make you feel bad because you told yourself you should be posting more? Like, did it make you feel bad because it didn't get any likes and comments? And so you told yourself that meant it was terrible. Mm -hmm. So that's where like, we are often, like, I see this all the time, even with myself, even knowing this, where like my brain, I'll do something I wanted to do. And then my brain will be like, right. It'll try to come in and criticize me. So being wise to that and realizing, oh, I don't actually want to accidentally set up a displeasure gloss about doing these business building activities. So like, I need to purposefully remember, no, we celebrate that versus letting my like little, you know, negativity bias brain come in and like, meh, 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 meh.
1: oh, I love I. So, so good to point out that like, we, we're working with this computer of a brain and Mm. we're essentially programming it to find pleasure or displeasure from anything we're doing. And so Mm -hmm. as you're creating the new habits, you have to be aware that you are either reinforcing, you're either giving yourself like a little treat, like a little pleasure gloss treat, or Mm -hmm. you're giving yourself the opposite, the, the not desired effect of making yourself feel bad through right. your thoughts and the associated feelings.
0: Something will be in re- something will be reinforced. Your brain will either get reinforced. Oh, I did this and it's good. And I get this yummy treat of, of like kind self-talk, um, or, oh, I did this and I get this negative reinforcement of self-criticism or, oh, I did this and I get neutral. And I think, Positive is great, but even neutral can be fine, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're used to having a lot of negative self-talk and like that um, negative reinforcement, even moving into the neutral of like I said, I would post on Instagram and I did. Full stop.
1: Mm-hmm. That, Wasn't and then good, we just had, bad, like, other. It just was. It was an action facts. that got done. Right over. <laughs> so, I I want to transition this a little bit because. Part of the thing that really excited me to have you on was the conversation about how this applies to romantic relationships and the idea that we can shift any habits, we can shift anything we can do with our body, we can do it with their business. And I don't think that's a fascinating topic. But I what I find is that within my work, I'm I'm working a lot of times with entrepreneurs, people doing business, people building in that way. And they're changing that, they're changing the way they relate to that. And then they actually change the way that they're taking care of themselves. They start mm-hmm. going to the gym more, they start mm-hmm. doing more self-care, they start all of their, that shifts. And then mm-hmm. inevitably their relationship shifts too. They start making shifts in their relationship or they see things, you know, finding more satisfaction or sometimes ending something that's not working for them. And I'm curious to know about how you help people with relationships.
0: Yeah, um, I, I first of all, I agree with what you're saying. Like the one of the things about coaching is you get a lot of awareness and you get a lot of intentionality, and you realize like how much power and choice you have. And when you start exercising that in any area of your life, and you start getting like all these like fun outcomes, then you often will begin to exercise that in other areas of your life and get fun outcomes there as well. And I've had so many people where like, I coached them on being super stressed out in their day job. And then they also like started cooking more and ordering less takeout, Mm -hmm. right. Without us ever talking about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I I just, I have tons of examples like that from my own life and from coaching clients. Um, But you can also coach really directly on relationships. And I think, It's a lot of the same stuff, but it's also sometimes about like how you treat the other person. Like, I remember distinctly one time my significant other was like, you tell everyone to notice what's working, which I do. That's like one of my main messages in my business. And she's like, but sometimes you don't tell me the things you notice working that I do or in our relationship. And it really stopped me in my tracks because Mm -hmm. she was a hundred percent correct. And it, it made me realize like, oh, I, I can be, I can be a highly critical person, which is not shocking. Like, that's why I got into coaching as a client is because I can be a highly critical person and like learning to do this work on myself and in my business with my clients, but then also realizing there are areas in my life where like I wasn't walking my talk as much. Right. And, and then beginning to do that. So like one of the things is like, Oh, if it would be helpful in like my business for me to notice and appreciate like the efforts I'm taking, or if it would be helpful in like me trying to change my drinking habits to like notice where I am and make small changes and celebrate those small changes. Maybe that's also relevant in my relationship. Right. And Mm -hmm. the, maybe there is like, it definitely is. yeah, Right. So like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, like maybe, but like definitely. (laughs) Um, so yeah. So like realizing that again, well, actually, I don't know if we said this directly, but the human brain has a negativity bias. It tends to focus on what's not working. It tends to be Velcro for what's going bad or could go badly and Teflon for what's going well or could go well. Right. That's why we all lay awake at night worrying instead of like imagining our like super fun future that we're like planning. Yeah. And so seeing that play out in my relationship and realizing like, oh, what if I praise what I want more of not just in myself, not just in my business, not just in my habits, but in my relationship. Like, what if I take the time to notice and appreciate what's working, um, like what's working in the relationship between us, but also like what my girlfriend is doing that's Mm -hmm. working Like when she does something that I'm like, wow, I love that. I would love to see her do that again. Like I can say that out loud of my face hole. Whereas like most of us aren't saying those things and like, of course this is informed by like my coaching work, but I feel like it's also important for me to say it's informed by a lot of books that I've read too. Like there's a bunch of books by doctors, John and Julie Gottman. They really taught me that conflict can actually create intimacy. If you go about conflict, like if you come into conflict, like, oh, this can help me be closer to you. Mm. Um, it can, and they're talking about for relationships, but I actually use this in all kinds of areas. Like it can be like not just with your romantic partner, but like with your friends or like with people in your workplace, with your own parents, with your own children.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then there's um, Dr. Richard Schwartz, who's a therapist who kind of, I don't know if he created or like invented internal family systems, which is sometimes called parts therapy. He has Mm -hmm. some great books too about like understanding your internal parts. And that's also been really informative and like how I show up in my relationship and like how I show up you know, like if part of me is mad at her, like how do I honor that, but also honor her and like not make, try to make it her, her fault that I have all these feelings or like stuff like that. Um. So there've been so many tools and resources, but really, I think one of the most important things is also just being able to be like, what do I want to be possible here? And how do I incrementally move towards that? Right. So that's just like what we talked about with habit of like, what do I want to be possible and how do I incrementally move towards that? And I'm going to run into some obstacles and then we figure out how to tackle those. Right. And just Mm -hmm. believing that you can build what you want that to be like, Mm -hmm. and that making those little changes is what will get you there. And then it does.
1: Hmm. I feel like I just had that aha where you were talking about Just like anything, you're reinforcing behavior and the fact that in relationships, we're often talking about what's not working or like what we need to change or like, I hate when you do that. And we don't do enough of, like you said, out out of like just saying, hey, I really love that you did that. Or thank you so much for doing that. Like we sometimes forget how much we haven't said what we appreciate or reinforce the things that we do wanna see more of. And like anything, if all you're doing is talking about the negative or the problems or the issues or what's annoying you about them, then that's what's gonna keep coming up. Like they, it's like the unacknowledged things, habits, and you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't wanna, minimize relationships down to like habit formation but really we're all humans wandering around with brains feeling positive and negative emotions and responding to them Mm -hmm. like in kind and saying oh okay well this makes me feel bad really consistently and so partners start to get a little distant from each other because they stopped feeling the the positive emotions or having those things talked about
0: yeah, and I think it's important to say like it's not it's not toxic positivity. It's not mm-hmm. only talking about what's working. It's creating a strong bond and reminding yourself that some stuff is working. If that's what true, what's true, like it is what's true in my relationship that some stuff isn't working, but it doesn't mean we don't also address the hard things and the uncomfortable things. And when things aren't working, but then we have this like stronger connection and this baseline appreciation for each other that actually does make it so much easier to tackle the things that aren't working. But there is still a piece of like being honest with yourself about like, is enough working here for me to actually want to invest? Like, is this actually where I want to be? Right. We still have these hard questions. Like for me in my relationship, I've asked that a lot. And I'm at a place where I'm like, definitely, this is where I want to be. Like, she's a great, a wonderful person, a wonderful partner and things come up and then we like have conflict and move through it. Um, but there, but there can also be the piece of like, is this where I want to invest? Is there enough here that is working? Um, like. Yeah, just like you, you can focus on anything, um, but you right. also have to figure out like what you want to coach on and what you're like. I don't actually want to coach on that. I just want to like.
1: Well, I, I also think this is always there's a, certain aspects of romantic relationships in particular that are very interesting to me in terms of like where's the line when you're talking about that. How much do you want to? um invest in this how much are you investing it versus what how the person's responding and how much they're wanting to invest in in the growth and the conversation and working things out and like mm-hmm. you said there's a point where you're like oh yes like i'm going to this is 100% worth it we're both growing together this is a continued path versus wow i seem to be this we're not really going anywhere and it so by looking at it in that way it allows you to kind of look like hey you know i've been really 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 trying and trying and trying and trying and having these conversations and trying to do these habit shifts and it's still not working Yeah. And even if you decide you
0: don't want to be in the relationship anymore, there can be beautiful ways to end relationships and beautiful ways to think about relationships that have ended. Right. Mm -hmm. So like one of my frames for coaching is like, who do I want to be in this situation? Like, who do I want to be if a relationship has run its course or who do I want to be if I need to set a boundary? Um, Understanding that like we have, like we talked about before socialization, also humans have mirror neurons where sometimes if someone's like disrespectful to us, our brain's like, I get to be disrespectful to you now, right? Because Mm -hmm. you deserve it. And so there's nothing wrong with that, but like, that's not who I personally want to be. I've decided for reasons that I like. And so understanding like, oh, if someone behaves in a certain way, my brain might like, you know, I might lose my temper and my brain might be like, now I do this. And then being able to pause and be like, is that actually who I want to be regardless of who they're being? Is that who I want to be? Is that going to feel good? Like, is that, am I going to be happy going to bed tonight if I behave that way? And again, this isn't about perfectionism. It's just about understanding like who you want to be, what kind of life you want to have, and then just like incrementally moving closer to whoever that is. And so I think that's a really useful thing to understand too. And that you get to define success, right? So like, I think we have such a thing in our culture that like, if a relationship ends, it was a failure. And I choose not to believe that I choose to believe that sometimes the most successful thing a relationship can do is come to a close.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree with you 100%. And also feel like that transitions into, business as well. I think sometimes the most successful thing somebody can do is end their business.
0: Absolutely. Like, listen, I love having my own business. And also at least like once a month, I'm like, what if I didn't have a business? I don't have to do this because like it's has pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. Like the pro is like, I get to design my own work days. I no longer work seven to three. Now I work like 10 to four, which is great. And I love it. And also uh, I have like every role in the business, except Mm -hmm. for producing my podcast, which I do, you know, hire someone else to do that. But like, I have to do my own, like all my own, like little things, like run my payroll. And I'm like, wow, this is like, when I moved to California and I moved my business to California, I had to figure out how to set a business up in California, but like a business that already existed somewhere else, it was just it felt like a nightmare of time. Now I'm like, I know how to do that. So like, it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like a nightmare anymore, but like running a business is just a thing you can choose to do. If it seems like a mostly fun thing to you and you're like willing to do the challenges, it's just like anything else. It's like, which, which work do you want to do and why
1: everything has pros and cons, literally everything. 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 So does being in a
0: like long-term committed relationship. Like, listen, I love my partner. I choose her every day. And also like it's a it's a different set of pros and cons than being single.
1: Mm-hmm. yep. If we know everything has pros and cons, what do we want to opt into?
0: right. Which pro like which pros and cons do we want to like?
1: Yeah, which pros and cons with today? Yeah, that's right. Which pros and cons do I want to interact with because literally everything has it. Mm-hmm. Um as we round out this conversation, what would you want to say to somebody? who has been struggling with their habits um, has been listening to this conversation. What can you say to kind of inspire them, to keep them going? What words of wisdom do you have today, Corey? Yeah, I think
0: if you've been struggling, that can feel so hard, but also that's so much to celebrate because to struggle means to have a hard time and keep going. And A lot of times the difference between getting what you want and not getting what you want is the ability to keep going. But hear me, what I would love for you is the ability to keep going in a joyful, sustainable way, not the kind of keeping going where you're just getting super burned out every step of the way. If that's your experience, it's probably time to rest and recover. I would also say like struggling to change habits to me, I just like to believe it's all a long game right? Like if I'm trying to change a habit by next week, that's very high stakes. It's very intense. I feel stressed just thinking about that versus like, I'm trying to build a beautiful life and that's a long time horizon. And I'm like, what if it's okay, if it takes a while, because especially if that makes my life something that's easier to enjoy on the day by day, because to me, that's like what the whole point is, right? It's like the whole point of like making the the habit changes I want to make is so I can like, have fun and feel good and live, live my values. Um, so what if I get to do that along the way? Because um, most of your life is the journey, not the destination. So, what if we try to make that enjoyable? Mm-hmm. Um, and and acknowledge what you're doing because it's probably hard. And it's okay to admit that it's hard and to celebrate yourself for that.
1: Mm, that's beautiful. I want to just like capture that. It's like a Someone, someone capture my podcast guy might be able to capture that and make it just like a here. Here's a message yeah. to keep you going, right? Just be like, I love that. You know, here it is. Listen to this. Remind yourself, it's hard. It's beautiful. It's everything in between. Like, keep on, keep on moving forward and acknowledge it. Um,
0: and love yourself along the way.
1: Yeah, love yourself, baby. Um, we're gonna end with what I call the down and dirty three. Ooh. Mm. And it is number one, what is a quote that has profoundly impacted your life?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I had a little heads up that this was coming. So I looked up my quote and it's whatever you can do or dream you can do. Begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. And I always really struggle to say this name, but I think we pronounce it Goethe or Goethe. Goethe. Um, That's yeah. I'm always like pronunciation is hard for me. Cause I like learn by reading mostly mm-hmm. like audiobooks have been great because then someone reads to me and I'm like, this is how Love you it. say that word. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, that I, I feel like that quote has been so powerful because I am a person who has ideas and then like sits on them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which can be great too. Like there's nothing wrong with like putting it in the crock pot and thinking about it. But there, to me, there is such magic in the moment where you're like, I'm
1: just going to do it. I'm just going to try it. I'm just gonna see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, so number two, what is a book you think everyone could benefit from reading? Oh, I love books and I'm fully obsessed with them. And like Mm -hmm. the
0: answer to this probably changes like once a week, depending on like what I'm currently obsessed Mm with. Um, so what is your current obsession? (laughs) I'm currently pretty obsessed with parts therapy, so Mm -hmm. I don't have a specific book, but I would say like any book by Richard Schwartz. But that whole idea of conflict being a doorway to intimacy is one of the most profound shifts in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is Drs. John and Julie Gottman, and they've written a ton of books. So mm-hmm. I'd say I'm gonna like cheat a little and just say, like, read anything by either of those two authors. Mm-hmm. Um it's so good.
1: Yeah, and I love that reframe of conflict can be the doorway um to more intimacy because conflict really can be the doorway to vulnerability to real deeper understanding to truths that maybe you have been holding back from expressing in it's yes it, like i've seen that in my life with people that are willing to like get into that space with me and really just say the thing that they wanted to say. And you're like, wow, like, thank you for sharing that. Like Mm -hmm. here we can move forward in this truth that we now both understand. Right. And it's
0: also like, I'm willing to show you a piece of me that, and a piece of my truth that I already know you may not like, and may not feel good for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to believe that we can like move forward past that. And if, like, honestly, I think the reason I'm in a relationship that's been going for six and a half years and that is the happiest, most successful relationship I've ever been in is because every time I I didn't feel like the current version of me could like survive, mm-hmm. we we kind of burned the relationship down and like welcomed in a new version. Like I mm-hmm. I told a truth that like, I'd never probably told before, or like I, t- I needed to take up more space than the current version of the relationship could. And that did involve some of the most Terrifying, difficult conversations of my life, mm. and what a fucking skill to create because mm-hmm. it it cre- it it creates amazing intimacy and amazing freedom.
1: And I think there's nothing like revealing something that you're so fucking scared to reveal, and then somebody being like, "Wow, thank you, I love you even more," and you're like. <sighs> Like, it's like, right. what, like, I've been like holding this so desperately. And now I feel more loved and seen than I thought was possible. Thank you. Right.
0: Because what shame says is don't ever tell anyone this because no one can tolerate it and you'll be
1: abandoned. Um, You're unlovable. Yeah.
0: Right. But the reality often is, is people are like,
1: oh, that's all. And you're like, well, yeah, (laughs) I've been holding this for 30 years. And you're like, they're like, you should have told me. (laughs) Um, so last one, what are the three words that describe your vision for your most extraordinary life?
0: Mm, okay. The three words are satisfied as fuck. Because, oh. And that's like my, my podcast is called satisfied AF. So like, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot for years. Um, I had a small group for a while, small group coaching program that I called satisfied as fuck. And it's just this idea of like, what is it? What is it like to like live? in deep satisfaction and delight and deliciousness, um, which doesn't mean it's always going to feel good. FYI, everyone, like there's going to be those difficult conversations mm-hmm. and there's going to be like navigating incredible grief and loss too, because that's also part of it. But
1: yeah. Satisfied as fuck. Mm-hmm. What about you? Has
0: anyone asked you, what are your three
1: words? Uh, n- nobody has ever asked me. Matter of fact, I, I feel like my words are always evolving. Um, every oh, I year, I come, I come up with with new things, and I feel, wow, being put on the spot. I'm like, I don't know. I know the first one that comes up for me is uh, freedom, because mm. the the idea of freedom in all aspects, right? The the different facets of freedom, not just not just this this basic level, but the the deep spiritual freedom that comes from the surrender.
0: Mm, Um, I just did a podcast on
1: surrender obsessed. I just interviewed someone right before this about who wrote a book about surrender. (laughs) I love that. We love it. Surrender is the theme of 2024 for me. Um, Love is always one that I'm always interacting with differently in terms of how I truly love myself, how I truly love others and how I hold space for all of it. So, Mm. um, that one also goes very deep. Um, and then I'm going to say inspiring,
0: inspiring
1: Mm. to myself, to the world, to my son, to my friends, um, and making sure for me to be out there, inspiring others is really something that is at the core of my my work is to enact that sort of change and inspiration and shifts and aha moments for others. So I love that. And, and, and leave it to a coach to flip it back on me. Go ahead, girl. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot. I was just
0: like, yeah, what about yours? I need to know inquiring
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for this conversation. Where can the people find you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight
0: and the people can find me. Um, in my podcast, the satisfied AF podcast, which is in all the podcasty places. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram at Corey Lynn, which is K O R I L I N N. I'm on TikTok at the Corey Lynn. Cause I was late to the game. So mm-hmm. somebody got plain old Corey Lynn. And I had to improvise like the and is better though.
1: The Corey Lynn. The,
0: Woo. Yeah. Um, and my website's Corylin.com And I also have a spun a, And I also have a fun special treat for your listeners, which is my satisfied AF audit, which is a super fun workbook that kind of helps you go through your life and think about like where am I already really satisfied and like what's not satisfying and what are the changes I want to make and how do I make those changes in Mm -hmm. small incremental ways? And the feedback I often get on this is like people do the workbook expecting to be be, like kind of daunted by how far they have to go. But a lot of times they're actually like doing the workbook feels so good because Mm -hmm. it really helps them get into like, wait, look at all this shit that's already working. And then like really enjoy the pleasure of that. So I think people Mm will have a really fun time with that workbook.
1: So you can be satisfied AF while doing the satisfied AF workbook is what you're saying.
0: That's the goal actually, yeah. <laughs> because like one of my main teachings is like, let's enjoy the journey. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, be satisfied AF while you become satisfied
1: AF. That's what that. it's all about. Well, thank you so much. And till next you. time. Until next time. Thank you for having me. Bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. And if this episode really resonated with you, if you had some aha moments or oh my gosh, then please share this episode with a friend who could really benefit from listening and give us a five-star review telling us how this episode may change your life.